the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, somebody turn on the lights because it's uh, been so dark and dingy lately. Someone's got to be controlling the lights, huh? Welcome to the show Thursday. It's been, it feels like a very long week. I, some weeks kind of fly by in a heartbeat. Other weeks kind of like, what the heck is going on? Is it Friday yet? But it's not. Today's Thursday. Kath, welcome. How are you? John, my favorite weather is hot and dry. Mine my too. favorite weather. Yeah. So therefore... Cold and wet? By comparison, this is my least favorite weather system mm. that... I could encounter. Yeah, and it's only been here for a short while. Now, I know you're saying, okay, you could encounter a hurricane. That'd be awful. You're right. Sure. A cyclone. I'm sure that'd be terrible. I, I understand all that. So please, you know, don't fill my my email box. However, let me just say, if we're talking just a regular day. I don't mean as far as a cataclysmic weather event. This is bottom of the barrel. It pretty much is. However, the good news is we both committed independently to the uh, the fashion look of the turtleneck. We did. You know why? I feel good as I am today. So do I. Yeah, because you're looking good as well. Thank you, as you are. Thank you. Is that a cow neck you have on there? Hey, John Hall's Fashion Rules. <laughs> Turtlenecks are in, whether you know it or not. So independently of one another, John and I, both last week, purchased multiple turtlenecks. <laughs> because we knew this day was coming. That's right. Because, I, you know, in my mind's eye, I could see a dark gray, 32 and a half degree day mm-hmm. where the wind was blowing and it was pouring. Yep. And what would I want to wear? <laughs> only a turtleneck. A turtleneck, yeah. yeah. So we're both sporting them today. Right. My only concern. You got two turtlenecks on, actually. I'm doubling up. <laughs> I feel good about it. Two turtlenecks. Listen, I'm freezing. My only concern is that new Mike has not signed on yet. Now Mike is Mike's a millennial. And he refuses to get a flu shot to. or wear a turtleneck. It says something about the age gap. The last okay. time I wore a turtleneck was in fifth grade. Yeah. And... That was that is going to be the last time I'm going to wear a turtleneck. Really? See, I don't no, understand I don't, that. Mike, never say never as far as They're turtleneck. They're just so tacky looking. No. They Listen. are. Listen, that's my fashion I rule. cannot believe he just... Hold on. He just insulted us saying we, sure we look did. tacky. Big time. But... I mean, two thirds of the team sorry. here, and we look tacky. I mean, uh-huh. you guys pull them off well. But- <laughs> oh, now we're trying to make sense. Too of late, it. my friend. That door's closed. <laughs> Who are you? That's right. Listen, Mike. All I can tell you is that we're warm. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you are. No, no, he's I'm got very the, warm. Oh, he's got the heater in there. That little yeah. sort of space heater. Okay, that goes see, by. we're doing fine without a heater because we're dressed appropriately for exactly. a day like yeah, today. Yeah, you, yeah, on the other I'm hand, dressed appropriately. I, I don't have a turtleneck, but I have a, a nice little sweater I'm rocking. A little, a nice little. Don't one. you get cold? No, not really. Listen, we'll determine if you're I rocking it or not. Okay? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Fashion rules. Okay, hey, so uh, today. Uh, Amazon uh, was sort of given the airing out by our local elected officials, Mayor Bill Peduto, Allegheny County Executive Rich Fitzgerald, and Stefani Pashman, head of the Allegheny County Conference, released the details of their bid 
the uh, failed bid, I should say, to Amazon HQ2. Uh, I think uh, Bill Peduto had the best line of the uh, press conference. He said he had a brief conversation with Amazon, and he basically said um, that they said, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> Which, you know, anyone's sure. ever broken up with somebody. Uh-huh. Right. He said that uh, Amazon was complimentary of Pittsburgh and positive about its future. He also said this similar was uh, was a similar conversation, uh, like a breakup. But so within that bid that the uh, the, the city gave was five hundred and fifty six million dollars in local incentives for land and infrastructure. The state incentives included up to four point five billion dollars in performance based grant funding and a hundred million dollars towards transportation improvements. So I mean, it wasn't as big as other cities, but it was an awful lot. We were giving away an awful lot of the store. Well, one of the things that Amazon listed that it needed from wherever it was going to land were location to airports, short driving time between its headquarters, New East Coast headquarters and airports, right? So one of the reasons they said that they chose New York and they chose uh, Northern Virginia is because of the closeness to airports. Oh, please. Okay. Now, let me just say that today in the Wall Street Journal, they did a long story, um, multiple articles on airports, ranking them, talking about the new things that are like cutting edge in airports, the things that are being phased out in airports. And they included a ranking of the top 20 airports in America. I just want to say this. Hmm. Newark ranked worst among the 20 airports ranked by the Wall Street Journal. No using surprise. 15 different categories that matter to travelers. Worst. JFK was next to last, <laughs> and LaGuardia scored two better. Yeah, very nice. Okay, so with that bid, the airport authority offered a 152-acre site owned by them next to the airport that Amazon could have had gratis. Well, that would have been a lot closer than Long Island City. Yes, it would be. And with in, in uh, connection to a much better airport. Yep. Uh, other sites that were offered were the former Civic Arena site, 44 acres in the Strip, and the Cary Furnace site in mm. Rankin, Swissvale. Mm-hmm. But, okay. It's, so, it's it, fine. I'm good with it. I'm gl- if they feel jilted, you know, the powers that be, I think many people, including you and I, feel a sigh of relief that... It's okay. We can let it go. Let Pittsburgh be Pittsburgh. We've already been burnt badly. Listen, I by one company town. The more I think about it, the happy I feel like we dodged a bullet. I agree. And the other thing I keep thinking of is I'll tell you, can you can you imagine 25,000 more people in New York? <laughs> no, I can't. Or more than more importantly, the cost of rent now in New York City. What is that going to be like? It's already probably the third most expensive city in the world outside of San Francisco and Hong Kong. So now what? Rents are going to double maybe because more money's coming into the city? If you're, you, when I lived in New York City in the 1980s, there was the upper class and the lower class and there was a huge gulf and there was very, very small middle class people. You just can't make a go of it in the city. And you think that's even more dramatic now? No doubt. It's just going to be exasperated. We dodged a bullet, Yes, people. we did. Okay. All right. Coming up next, the word, the Bible, the history of it, and how it came to us. This is a fascinating t- topic. We'll talk to Dr. Rod Gregg. He's a historian, and he's coming up next. WORD. Here's Dr. Charles Stanley. When a child of God is broken, 
our will is brought into submission to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we give instant obedience to the one whom we call Savior and Lord. Hear the series, Brokenness, The Way to Blessing, this week on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. Tomorrow morning at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm-fresh catering from the Springhouse. Since 1984, Basket of Pittsburgh has been sending gifts all over the country that embody the spirit of Pittsburgh. Classy, sophisticated, creative, our gifts are sure to impress. We support local companies. Don't settle for overpriced national gift baskets and the fancy packaging tricks. Basket of Pittsburgh offers full-size products from our favorite Pittsburgh brands. Every Basket of Pittsburgh gift purchase comes with a sincere intention and a desire to impress the recipient. We understand our role in this process and take it very seriously. Whether it's a birthday gift for Grandma Marie in Florida, a sports gift for your favorite black and gold fan, or a professional gesture for a corporate client, we are your destination for the very best gifts. From 1 to 500 gifts, local delivery or ship nationally. We've been named one of the top gift companies in the country. Order online at basketofpittsburgh.com. That's basketofpittsburgh.com. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission, and it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today, I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. The Bible for a lot of people, even if you're a regular Bible reader, is a mystery. It's unfathomable in many ways, right? In its message to us directly from God, in its preservation of the people who have ensured that that word really, especially in the early days, stayed true and consistent, all these different facets. Well, Rod Gregg is with us. Rod's written a brand new book called The Word, The History of the Bible and How to Come to Us. Rod, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Rod, now you focused in your books on the Civil War. You focused on uh, the Holocaust. Why the Bible this time? Well, I'm a Christian before I'm a historian. Um, and uh, have a of course interest in the origin of things and uh, the backstory, and uh, so as a as a believer, I've had a 
respect for the Bible as the Word of God and uh, and our love for it. And so I was uh, very, very glad to have the opportunity to bring the historian's craft to bear on this thing. Uh, also, with the uh, with the faith and perspective of a believer, and hopefully that's um, those make uh, this book uh, unique. I hope. Yes. So, Rob, one of the things that really fascinates me is the early days of the Bible writers, the men who sat down and put this to pen or parchment to paper and made this work, and then how the word was preserved and carried on from one generation to the next. Could you tell us that how that worked? Well, that's a great summary, and uh, I would I would say that uh, the remarkable thing about Scripture is how it has uh, survived through the ages. And there really is nothing else from uh, the literature of antiquity like the Bible. Uh, more than uh, 5,000 manuscripts uh, complete or partial in the New Testament itself. And, and um, you can see, the I think, as a believer, you can certainly see uh, the divine inspiration and protection and transmission of the text through the ages. And one of the things which I think you're referring to is uh, standards of preservation um, that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, beginning with that amazing people that God created to preserve his word and to be a platform into which he was going to wrap himself in flesh and enter this world as, as Jesus Christ, uh, Yeshua Messiah. And that's the the uh, people we call the Jewish people today, uh, earlier the Israelites and then the Hebrews. And this meticulous, rigorous uh, standard of scholarship that Jewish scribes and scholars had to record and uh, preserve Scripture uh, surveyed uh, in this book. And uh, just uh, and then that was the precedent for a similar um, technique, standards, and, and preservation of the New Testament. Um, you know, if you look at what the these Jewish scribes, these scholars, uh, how they did that, um, a scribe had to had to uh, dress in formal scribal attire <laughs> to record scripture. Had to take a had to bathe and dress in this 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 attire. They, uh, every word had to be pronounced aloud before it could be written. Nothing from memory. Special ink and paper had to be used. Um, an editor would examine every page, count every letter of every word. If there were more than three corrections made, then the page would be destroyed, start over. And uh, before writing the name of God, the scribe would uh, stop. He would wash. He would clean his writing instrument. He would get new ink to record the name of God every time, so that you had this this rigorous uh, standard for preservation and recording and transmitting the Word of God that came through the ages, and that was the precedent that was also set for the preservation of, of the New Testament. And there's just really nothing else from antiquity like that. Can you talk about how the biblical books were decided on and arranged? Right, and the the, um, the Old Testament canon, canon meaning the collection of books as in law, um, that was pretty well um, done by the um, about 450, 445 B.C. Ezra's day. And, uh, and then the New Testament, I think there's this misunderstanding that there were these 4th fourth, fourth century church councils that kind of picked one book here and tossed another one there, and in almost an arbitrary fashion, and, and nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, the New Testament works um, 
had to follow the, the, the same precedent uh, standards. Was the book written by an apostle or someone with authority, or someone who trained under an apostle? Did it, did it claim to be inspired? Did it demonstrate evidence of inspiration? Was it uh, consistent with, uh, with the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, earlier revelations? Uh, did it faithfully record attributes of God? And was it accepted by God's people? And that really is the key, because the, uh, the, the books that we have today were uh, in the New Testament. Every one, uh, it's said that you could reconstruct the New Testament through the writings of the early church fathers. And, but even beyond that, uh, you saw uh, these works accepted or rejected uh, in the early 2nd century, even the late 1st century, so close to that time of authorship, uh, by the early church congregations, so that two, three hundred years later, when these church councils are meeting, they're not picking books. They're acknowledging the canon that already existed, mm. in which Christianity is held, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I see. Rod Gregg is with us. He's a former journalist, a historian, the author of more than 20 books on a variety of historical topics. His brand new work is called The Word, The History of the Bible and How It Came to Us. Rod, I, when I when I think of so much of humanity has been plowed under. I mean, antiquity is lost to us for the most part. Fragments of civilizations that were once great and mighty gone and forgotten forever. It is a miracle of all miracles that somehow the Bible was able to survive. Can you tell us about that, about those brave souls who murdered themselves, persecuted at great cost, of course, but still the word thrived and existed? Well, you said that really well. I don't know if I can add to that other than the the details of those people that are in this book, and it is really remarkable, and it's sobering, and it's inspirational to me to uh, to have spent time uh, as in the studying the lives of these people who lived their lives to record and preserve Scripture, uh, to uh, translate it into uh, to our vernacular, um, and also those who who gave their lives uh, so that we would have that. Scripture preserved to us today, um, but you know historically Christianity has held that the reliability of the Bible is demonstrated through um, external and internal evidence, and uh, the external evidence is the the uh, remarkable manner that you just described in which the Bible's been preserved and transmitted through the ages um, today to more than five thousand partial or complete biblical manuscripts, um, New Testament manuscripts even, dealing with uh, uh, existing from antiquity that, that uphold the authenticity of the scriptures as we, we have them today. So you can look at uh, that record and you compare it to a, to a reliable English language translation today and you can see there has been this faithful transmission of a biblical text uh, through the ages. But I think it's really important to remember the element of faith in this, hmm. and and that's the internal evidence. And the internal evidence is that the Bible claims to be the Word of God and continues to change lives. And what Christianity has, has said uh, through the ages is, read it. Um, start with, say, the Gospel of John. Read it with an open mind and a willing heart and prayerfully. And uh, the promise is that the Holy Spirit will illuminate uh, the scripture and uh, change uh, change lives, 
And uh, so that is the, that's the extraordinary promise of Scripture beyond that which is historical. Rod Gregg is with us, historian and author of more than 20 books on a variety of historical topics. We're talking about his latest book, which is called The Word, The History of the Bible and How It Came to Us. Uh, Rod, talk about the things that surprised you. I'm sure, as with any historian, you you dig deep into a subject and you think, wow, I was not expecting to learn that. Um, Give us a couple of those for this. Well, I think um, one thing that comes to mind is... is, um, Technology, and I think uh, we always think you know the Gutenberg movable type press, and and that combined with the with the uh, Reformation, which was a a um, uh, revival of Bible based Christianity. And when those two came together, it just was an explosion of uh, of publishing of, of Bibles in in uh, the various languages. But even before that, I think the the technology of um, the Greek language that was spread around the civilized world by Alexander the Great in the 4th century B.C., so that there was this common language. And then, following that, the Roman Empire, which um, is often overlooked in that extraordinary network of roads that connected everything. So here, you have um, this common language, a delivery system, and this uh, network of roads, a technology of transportation, and the two combined with the gospel uh, really kind of fulfilled what uh, in, in Galatians says that God in the fullness of time brought forth his Son. Just this perfect storm to spread the gospel throughout the world. And then you see, uh, again, a perfect storm in the era of the Reformation uh, following in the wake of the, the Gutenberg movable type press that made books uh, available and affordable. Yes. So, Rod, here we are in the 21st century, and we take for granted our lives here in the United States. Or we look at the world and we think, well, you know, things are a little uh, twisted and upside down right now. But the fact of the matter is, throughout all of ages, government or literature, art, criminal justice, you name it, have all been deeply influenced, if not outright owned, by the words and the passages within the Bible. Can you talk about that, about you know what we would call a biblical worldview and how that has found its way worldwide to where we are today? Well, exactly. It's no accident that our national mission statement, uh, the Declaration of Independence, and that's the mission statement with the philosophy, the Constitution is the rule book that's based on that. It's no accident that our mission statement, the Declaration of Independence, um, begins uh, with a prologue that says that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable or God-given rights, such as and including life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the freedom to make your way in the world. And that comes from this um, this Judeo-Christian or biblical worldview, and uh, that was um, founded on Scripture. The English Reformation um, uh, brought turned England upside down and, and developed and, and reinforced these biblical core values. And then in a very narrow window of time, English colonists, uh, fresh with those core values, spilled into America. And so what you saw in 13 colonies was a, a real diversity. You had uh, Congregationalists in New England, you had the Dutch Reformed in New York, you had Presbyterians in New Jersey and Delaware, Quakers in Pennsylvania, the Catholics in Maryland, 
uh, Anglicans in Virginia, the Carolinas, and Georgia, and in Jewish communities in New York, Philadelphia, and Charleston, diversity, but all people of the book, now, all united in this uh, Judeo-Christian worldview, which became the foundation of American culture, law, and government. Hmm. Uh, amazingly uh, unique and influential. Well, thanks so much for joining us. This is another fascinating book. We were just talking about how much we'd love to check out your Holocaust book um, and the details about that. So, Rod, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, the pleasure is ours. Rod Gregg, his brand new work is called The Word, The History of the Bible and How It Came to Us. You know, these last uh, several weeks or so, we've been focusing intently on our Bible League campaign. Uh, it is, um, it's so important that the Word of God is able to go out into the world from so many people who don't have access to their own copy of the Bible. And so we would encourage you, as you hear Rod Gregg talk about the history of the Bible, and if you yourself are a Bible lover, a Bible reader, to join us in our Bible League campaign. One Bible is just $5. You can send 20 Bibles out with the Bible League that has been doing this for more than 80 years, 20 Bibles out for just $100. Once you join us right now, the number to call is just so simple, is one one. I'm sorry, Mike, what is the number here? I, I thought I had the number, but I don't. Um, oh, sorry, there it is. 1-844-937-9673. That's 1-844-937-9673. You can also find the uh, Bible League campaign banner at the very top of our page at wordfm.com. But right now, won't you please join us? If you know, love, use your Bible. If you're curious about your Bible, send that gift along. We think about all the many wonderful things that have come our way. You think about God's Word and how important it is, not only to us individually, but to our wife, our husband, our children, our community here at large in the city of Pittsburgh, all throughout western Pennsylvania, this great country, and the power of God's Word, how it's changed us for the better every day. Spread that along, please. Send the Bible out into a deep and dark and hurting world. 1-844-937-9673. That's 1-844-YES-WORD or online at wordfm.com. Mom always used to say, you are what you eat. And she was right. But who knows what's healthy anymore? Here's something. Drink Super Beets. Super Beets is a circulation superfood. Just one glass a day helps give you the cardiovascular power of this amazing vegetable. Why is this important to you? It's all about healthy blood flow. If you're over 40, your body may be losing its efficiency around energy, stamina, and even maintaining healthy blood pressure. Drinking good-for-you superfoods helps feed your body's cardiovascular and circulatory system and boost your stamina and energy at the core level. Professional and college athletes trust Superbeats to help them be their best, and you should too. Go to elderbeats.com and try Superbeats for yourself. And right now you get an additional 30-day supply of Superbeats for no additional cost with your first order, plus free shipping. Go to elderbeats.com today or call 800-996-3406. 800-996-3406. It's me, the kid who's saying, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Yeah, I grew up, got my teeth. 
turns out, not super impressive. What I really should have sang was, All I want for Christmas is to go to Fun For All Family Fun Park's Holiday Lights Mini Golf. They turn 36 holes of award-winning miniature golf into a Holiday Lights extravaganza like no other. From 5 to 10 p.m. November 16th through January 2nd, it's the most fantastic way to have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> Still got it. Learn more at funforall.com backslash holiday lights. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission, and it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. What gives one company the edge over another? Maybe it's not one thing. Maybe it's taking care of lots of things that help a business run smoothly. In other words, Cintas. Cintas has products that help your people stay safe and apparel programs that convey the right image. They service fire protection equipment, deliver and stock restroom supplies, and make sure facilities are clean and ready. Because when all those things work together, you're in business. Oh, I'm ready! Get Cintas and get ready for the workday. The T.J. Martell Foundation, music's promise for a cure. To learn more, visit tjmartell.org. That's tjmartell.org. Downtown Irwin is lighting up the holiday season this Thursday night. Come to Main Street for the huge annual parade, holiday shopping, Christmas tree lighting, and even see Santa himself. This Thursday, discover Irwin, the biggest small town in Pennsylvania. Rain and some freezing rain will be changing over to snow and accumulating an inch or two before ending later on tonight. The low 30 degrees. Tomorrow, a brisk and cold day with clouds, high 37. There can be some snow showers in the laurels tomorrow. Tomorrow night and into Saturday, mostly cloudy skies. Low tomorrow night, 30. Saturday's high, 38 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Holy smoker, Rudy. Did the burp, 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 just coming back in. We're talking about energy, are we not? Okay, so today, yeah, just this afternoon as I was coming to work, mm-hmm. I was driving through the Strip District and Penn Avenue. And because of all the construction on Smallman Street, if you get a parking spot on Penn Avenue, you oh. have to grab it. Yeah, of course okay, you because you're, you're not going to be able to find one a block down. Even like more you, so than usual. No, you have got to. So one opened up right in front of Penn Mac today. Oh. I was like, this gift. was meant to be. So yeah. I just pulled myself right in there. Of course there. you did. I had some time, right? To get some olives? Yeah. Listen, I went in, I got all of my cheeses mm. for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's nice. And you know what? There was no line. Of course, because it's a rainy, lousy Thursday afternoon. It's a week ahead, yeah. and I thought to myself, I'm going this in. is a gift, and yeah. I am taking it. Are they in the fridge? They're in the fridge. Nice. I got six kinds. Did me? you? I did. I You're got six different up. kinds. I did. And you know what? I... I feel like I've landed on all of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means anything to my guests, but you know, I feel like I had to go with what I thought was best. I, 
I have no problem with that because mm-hmm. while you're in the kitchen slaving away, in the back of your head, you're thinking, I'm going to go out there and grab myself a little piece of cheese. That's right. I bet there's right? a piece of cheese out there that uh, make me with, happier. With your name on it. Would you like to know what I got? Please. Uh, now, this is according to memory. Okay. I got a Sage Derby, which is one of my all-time favorite cheeses. What is cheeses. that, Sage Derby? It's like, it's a, well, it's a cheese made with sage leaves. It's green. Yeah. Have you not had it? No, I'm bringing not. you some. It is Please. so. Because you know I like my cheese. Wonderful. Sage. I love it. That is my. That is probably my favorite. Okay, but it's one of my favorites. Okay, so I got sage derby. I got Havarti with dill. Mm-hmm. I got chive with onion. Nice. Which I really, really love. I also got manchego. I don't know that. Mm, that's a good one. It's like a hard cheese. Okay. Um, like a good, like um, kind of nutty. Mm-hmm. Um, I got uh, borson, which is a soft cheese with garlic and herb. Very good. And. Did you get saga blue? No, Stilton with cranberries. Oh, you love the Stilton. Yeah, that's good stuff. Dear mm-hmm. heaven, is that good? See, again, we're talking food here, and I get like all sort of flushed in my mind. You know yeah. what I didn't get, though? Hmm. Why didn't I get crackers? Well, because you probably were like so triumphant I on was. Your I was feeling so good about you the cheese. Right that I d- and I saw, and now I'm annoyed with myself. So do you get like table crackers? or I'll get do you a, do? maybe a water cracker. Maybe yeah, sure. a nice, like a Breton, like a, a wheat one. Mm-hmm. I like that. Nothing to overpower. How about a rye cracker? I like a rye cracker. I feel like they're undervalued. I like a rye cracker with a, like a cheddar cheese. Those two things together are going on. You know now, what, what if you put like a little jalapeno relish under that? I'll take that in a heartbeat. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to quit talking about food here. <laughs> why do we do this every single day? Because it's dinner time. Because we're, we're on the ride home and we're all hungry. That's why. I can't stand it. Anyway. Anyway. Jeez. All, right. <laughs> all right, coming up next. So this is a really strange segue, and I don't know how to do it other than uh, to tell I'm you not that, sure you that next we're going to talk about where did Satan come from. <laughs> <laughs> Not from the cheese pot, I'll tell you that. Hey, uh, speaking of cheese, remember the um, cheese place over at Station Square? The cheese, the cheese it was cellar. the fondue. The cheese factory. The cheese, the cheese cellar. Cheese, cheese cellar. It's, now it's something else. Wasn't the cheese I saw, cellar. This was in my reading today. was the cheese today. something. Uh, that was, yeah. What is Fondue. That? I like it for the first five minutes. What? Just for the first five? Yeah. My kids, I don't think, have ever had fondue. I, and I think I'm going to take them there. Mm-hmm. There's, it's not called the cheese cellar anymore. Yeah. It's called something else. Uh, you know, the new and recently renovated Station Square. I have not been there since it was recently renovated. Holy smokes. When's really? the last time? I haven't been to Station Square. I couldn't tell you the last time I was mm-hmm. there. Why? Have you seen it, Mike? Um, I went to the melting pot. Probably that's what it is. The melting pot. The melting pot. Yeah. That's what it's called How was now. it? Did you enjoy yourself? Oh, my gosh. You did? It was amazing. Really? Oh my gosh! The um, I got duck. I had try, I tried duck for the first time. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it was. I wasn't sure if I was going to like it or not. It's okay. I, I heard it. It's a bit oily. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. pretty it is. oily. It's but greasy and bony. I loved it. Really, I loved it. Wait, yeah. no. So I thought this and so was did just you all dip, cheese. And, the, and you dipped it in mm-hmm. fondue. Okay. Yep, dipped it in the fondue. Let it sit for like I think I don't know how many minutes. I don't know, two to two to three or something like that. <laughs> Not long, I'll tell I, you that. Yeah, it wasn't that. It wasn't too long. <laughs> yeah, that cheese was steaming. I'm sure. Oh, and everything was just so good there. Wow. All right. Yeah. The melting pot. Maybe the three pot. of us should go. I think so too. It's How really about good. The ride home field trip. Mm, yeah, that's good. Dining out. Diane just said. Uh, our friend Diane said melting pot. She's listening right now. Right. So thanks. She's Diane. like, oh my gosh, love you, Diane. Okay. Yeah. So don't, don't. Yeah. That's my segue. What? So you. So what does that mean? Uh, How does that get us any closer to talking about Satan? <laughs> Great. That's not helpful either. That is not. I don't. I don't want a cartoon laugh. Okay, we're going to get out of here. Are we talking <laughs> Satan? Yeah, that's what we're talking about next. Not the cartoon Satan. You think the I'm real? No, no, Prince I'm talking about the real thing. That's scary stuff.
dangerous, ugly, mean, dark, twisted. That's straight ahead. And some cheese talk. 101.5 WORD. When your children disobey, what is your typical response? Here's Paul David Tripp. Our tendency is just to come armed with the law. But the law has no power whatsoever to change the heart of your child. None. How the gospel changes everything when it comes to parenting. Next time on Family Life Today with Dennis Rainey. Tomorrow morning at 9 on 101.5 Word FM WORD. You're a good mom. You've tried every parenting tip in the book, but nothing seems to stick. Your child is smart, but just can't sit still and focus. Or maybe you know that something is just off. If your child just can't do things you think he should be able to, there is a reason. Brain Balance can help. For over 10 years, the Brain Balance program has helped kids just like yours. This customized program doesn't just mask your child's issues, but gets to the root of the problem. If your child is not making friends, is disruptive in school, or life just seems a lot harder than it needs to be, it's not that he's not trying. He just can't change what he can't control. The Brain Balance program can help. If you feel your child falling further and further behind in school, don't wait. Call your local center today and find out how Brain Balance can build the strong foundation your child needs for a brighter future. Visit BrainBalance.com for the center nearest you. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. With the holidays just around the corner, it's time for a sale here at Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tun Shilkin. On behalf of my friends at Calusi Chevrolet, this month, current GM lessees can save over $12,300 on select 2018 Silverado All-Star pickups in stock when financed through GM Financial. You can buy with confidence at Calusi Chevrolet. They've been serving Pittsburgh since 1918. Plus, they're easy to find online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. If you're wondering how kids can be truly educated when God, Scripture, and prayer are removed from the classroom, well, wonder no more, because you have choices nearby, and you'll find them on the map at pittsburghchristianschools.net, pittsburghchristianschools.net. Some of your favorite pastors and authors like Charles Stanley, John Piper, and Max Lucado are bringing you their most popular devotionals for free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend time in God's Word daily. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox. With devotionals for parenting, singles, women, workplace, and more, Crosswalk.com offers spiritual growth for every stage of life. Visit Crosswalk.com. Downtown Irwin is lighting up the holiday season this Thursday night. Come to Main Street for the huge annual parade, holiday shopping, Christmas tree lighting, and even see Santa himself. This Thursday, discover Irwin, the biggest small town in Pennsylvania. Satan. I believe that that name should not be taken lightly. However, we have in America, and I'm sure across the world, just dumbed him down, made him sort of, you know, 
kind of cuddly in, in a way. Like or, a cartoon character. Or just, you know, turn on your cable television and, you know, there's darkness there, but it's not really evil. It's not really satanic. It's just, you know, something that's kind of weird and twisted that everybody loves, right? This is where we are in American society. Guy Richard is with us. He wrote a terrific piece called Where Did Satan Come From? Guy is the executive director, assistant professor of systematic theology at Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. Guy, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. So let's start with the serpent. Um, what do we know about the serpent, and where did he come from? We're starting with uh, Genesis. Yeah, it looks like from the Genesis account that the serpent was actually one of God's created creatures, one of the creatures he created originally, and we say that for a number of reasons. Uh, in the fall account in Genesis chapter 3, I think it's verse 1 of, Je- of Genesis chapter 3, we read that the serpent... Uh, was more crafty than any other creature, any other beast of the field that God had made. And so that seems to indicate that uh, the serpent was one of the beasts of the field that God had made. Uh, and it just makes sense that way, because if uh, if the serpent had not been part of God's original creation, uh, then no doubt Eve would have been quite surprised to have a serpent uh, uh, crawl up next to her, uh, she's, uh, you know, eyeing the, the fruit on the tree. Yeah, but but she wasn't, we don't know if she was surprised, but it doesn't say that she was surprised, though, right? That's right, and, and uh, you know, I think I think the implication from the passage is that she was not surprised, because even though it doesn't say that explicitly, I think the implication is she wasn't because she carried on a conversation I see. with that serpent. And so, you know, instead of running or fleeing or anything, you know, or... or uh, you know, or, or turning away or just walking away. I mean, uh, she carried on a conversation and acted as though things were, were quite ordinary. So the serpent, you're saying, then, had to have been something that was created by God, that she already knew. That's correct. That's correct. So then talk about this, Rod, then. How is it that evil came into the world and inhabited something made by God, that the, the, the devil can straddle God's creation and outside of that as well. Is that true? Yes, that's right. Okay, so yeah, what I would say, yeah, so, so talk about Satan specifically entering the serpent or command her. How, what, what's the relationship there? Yeah, I think, I think Satan, uh, you know, in, in terms of going back and looking before this event actually happened, I think what you see is there's, there's good evidence for looking at the, at the fact that Satan rebelled against the Lord. Uh, he led a group of uh, uh, what we would call now today demons uh, or uh, angels that were at one point created beings. Uh, he led a, a group of them in rebellion against the Lord, uh, and, uh, and, and after creation of Adam and Eve, he, uh, he inhabited the serpent in order to uh, try to lead mankind astray uh, after the same pattern of rebellion that uh, he and his fallen angels had embraced as well. So the fallen angels, is they have become Satan, they have become evil, but where does evil come from then? If God created all for his glory, how did evil find its way into the world? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's really the question that most of us as Christians, and even many of our non-Christian brothers and sisters uh, and mothers and fathers and friends and neighbors are, are wrestling with, because if God is good, then where did the evil come from? How could a good God create evil? And if he didn't create it, where did it come from? Yes. And I think, I think 
the answer to that is that evil was not a thing that needed to be created. If you look at what the Bible says in terms of evil, it usually uh, frames evil in terms of a, an anti-God posture. So we talk about unrighteousness or ungodliness, which is really just not godliness. It's not what God is. Uh, and so in that sense, we can speak of evil being the opposite of God. And so if that is true, uh, we look at uh, was it First John chapter 3, I think, that says that sin is lawlessness. It's anti-law. Uh, and if we look at God as law, or as the origin of law, then that again comes back to that same feature as well. And I think what that tells us is that uh, in order for evil to exist, all that is required is for a good God to exist and for him to create a creature that has actual genuine freedom to either rebel against him or to live in obedience and, and, and worship uh, forevermore. All right, so let's talk about where Satan came from. So Satan is not a collection of angels. He's one angel. Am I right about that? That's correct. Okay, so one angel who fell, along with many other angels. Um, tell us, it's hard to separate the biblical account from what we have kind of come to believe colloquially in culture. Culturally. Yeah. So can you tell us what we know biblically about how Satan came to be who he is? Yeah, there's, there's very little uh, in the Bible about that, but there are a couple of passages that seem to suggest that he was a created angel, that was one of the good angels. Uh, all of God, God's angels were created beings. Uh, you know, I think Genesis 1-1, the implication there is once upon a time, uh, God alone existed. Once, once, uh, at one point, there was nothing uh, except God. In the beginning, God, and he alone uh, existed, and he brought everything that now exists into being himself. And so that would mean the angels themselves were created uh, beings. They were perfect, but they were created, and they were mutable, in that they could choose to, they had the freedom to choose to obey uh, the Lord or to rebel against him. Uh, and Satan seems to have been one who led a, a rebellion against uh, the Lord. Uh, he and a group of angels with him were thrown down or cast down from heaven. Right. So, Guy, here in Pittsburgh, we're still in a period of mourning after... Almost three weeks ago, a, a crazed, evil person walked into a synagogue and murdered 11 innocents. And, you know, in all the news accounts that we've gone through and all the conversation and the back and forth, people, especially in a media perspective, which I would not expect them to, uh, to pronounce evil for what it is, but people have not talked about evil. People have not talked about darkness and Satan, which I believe and I think a lot of people believe that, you know, was in that synagogue at that moment. And I wonder why it is That's as a right. culture that we are so willing to to glorify evil, to use it as a mass media tool and to profit from evil, but at the same time, we don't necessarily fear evil or we don't trumpet the fact that the truth is that evil is all around us and is counter, it is anti-God. Do you think about that and wonder why that is as a culture that we we praise evil in many ways? Yeah, I think part of it has to do with our reticence to accept the fact that there is a God. Um, many of us, you know, may want to acknowledge there's a God, but but I think that's becoming increasingly um, the minority position. And if you can say there is no God, well, then 
you know, an anti-God posture doesn't exist. And uh, so evil in that sense is not evil the way uh, the Bible would, would look at evil in terms of ungodliness. And, and yet events like what happened in Pittsburgh and, and what happened uh, in California yes. as well uh, just recently, I mean, those events you and I can look at and say, that is evil. That is ungodliness. That is everything that God is not. You know, he is not that. He's not hatred. He's not evil, you know, evil in those things. So, you know, that is, in a sense, the definition, I think, of evil. It's ungodliness. It's an ungodly attitude or posture. We're talking to Guy Richard, Executive Director and Assistant Professor of Systematic Theology at Reformed Theological Seminary, Atlanta. Um, Guy, before you leave us, I want to ask you about one of the scripture passages that, you know, as a kid, was always associated with Satan, which is Ezekiel 28. It's a prophecy um, about the king of Tyre, but... You know, when I was a kid, this was always what, this is how we learned who Satan was. Um, now that I'm older, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, it doesn't really, it doesn't say that it's about Satan. It's about the king of Tyre. So what, what do you think about that passage? Can you read that passage? Well, it's pretty, it's pretty long. long. It's it pretty is. long, but I'll, I'll just read a couple parts of it. This is Ezekiel 28. Um, it says, in the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the sea. Um, it goes on to say, um, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, um, blah, blah, blah. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the holy mountain of God, walking among the fiery stones, blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness found you. Um, what do you think about this? Yeah, you know, I think I think you're right. It does not explicitly say that it's about uh, Satan, but I think the implication certainly seems to be that it is. Uh, the whole premise behind Satan's rebellion was one of pride. He wanted to be God. It was not enough for him to be a servant of the Lord. He wanted to be God himself. And really, if you get to the heart of what he did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that was the very foundation of his temptation of Adam and Eve, is he wanted, uh, he tempted them to be like God, uh, to know right from wrong, to be like God in that sense, uh, is what he said. And um, and so I think you get to the very heart of what's going on there, the reference to Eden, the reference to him being a, a cherub or an angel who has fallen. I think you look at all those things, and, and the clear implication seems to be that that is talking about Satan, but you're right, in terms of not making an explicit connection. And whenever there's not an explicit connection, we do need to be very careful about reading into any passage uh, of Scripture. Yes. Well, Guy, thanks an awful lot. And a very difficult subject. We uh, certainly appreciate you guiding us through this. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Our pleasure. Guy Richard, he's from Atlanta, and uh, talking about where did Satan come from, the executive director of assistant professor of systematic theology, Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. Take a break. Come back. Hey, um, dark and gloomy weather. A new study says that because of these dark days, alcohol consumption goes up. Is that true or not? Stay with us. Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee. Small latte, please. And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units on negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then, a premature baby. 
All because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation. There, done. You see, local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients. The other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen. Ooh, cake pops. So, what have you done today? To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit bloodsciencefoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart. Hey, just ask your delivery guy or the guy who built your delivery guy's house or the guy who laid the highway for the guy who built your delivery guy's house. Ford commercial vehicles can handle the job. During commercial vehicle season, save on Transit, Transit Connect, E-Series, Super Duty, and Medium Duty trucks. Ford trucks and vans. Year after year, America's best-selling line of commercial vehicles because they're built Ford tough. Claim based on IHS market calendar year 1985 through 2017. U.S. TIP registrations excluding registrations to individual seer dealer for details. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin on behalf of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission. And it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. Is your car ready for winter? Get the jump on Jack Frost. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect against the elements inside and out. From spray-on bed liners to rust-proofing, WeatherTech floor liners to extreme detailing. And now, through November 15th, get up to 50 bucks off remote starters during their preseason sale while supplies last. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. 40 years for the extreme in all of us at ExtremeTruck.net. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. If you drink alcohol, it is the time of year when the mental weight of 4 p.m. darkness and freezing temperatures could very likely send you in search of a late afternoon or evening martini. This is uh, from today's Trib Live online. Apparently this, people living in colder regions of the country and the world consume more alcohol than the warm weather counterparts, according to new research from the University of Pittsburgh Division of Gastroenterology. The study published recently in Hepatology, a publication overseen by the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases, reports that as temperatures drop and sunlight hours decrease, Alcohol consumption rises. Mm -hmm. So does binge drinking, as well as cases of alcoholic liver disease. That sounds all bad. Sure does. Uh, Dr. Ramon Batlawler of the professor of medicine says it's something that everyone assumed for decades, but no one has scientifically demonstrated, but now has been so. How about that? So I don't drink, so that's not afflicting me, but I'll tell you what is. What is? All of a sudden, I want to eat, like, brownies and cake. I got a confession. And- Last night, my wife came in. To the, we were we had dinner. It was, like, 9.30. She said, I know you haven't been eating much sugar, but I bought a box of Oreos. <gasps> I was like, oh, please. 
put those babies down here. And I proceeded to be a, you know, a gluttonous fool. I probably ate, you know. 12. Please say 12. Oh, at least. Okay. At least 12. Because you can't enter into that and say, I'm going to have two. You just can't. Right. I mean, look, I've been off sugar for all this time since Easter. You would think, can't that just fade away? No, it doesn't. Of course Why? not. Why? It's not fading away. It's the human condition. Well, I don't want the human condition. What we desire, right? Thanks, John. Compels us, stays I do. with us. I would really like a brownie. All right, or you could have a drink. No, I'm not having either it's one. It's in the PG. Come Check on. it out. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump will travel this weekend to California, which continues to battle deadly wildfires. The White House says the president will visit California on Saturday to meet with individuals impacted by the wildfires. Earlier this week, Mr. Trump dispatched his interior secretary to the state to support efforts to contain the fires and meet with officials, firefighters, and first responders. The president has mourned the loss of life and thanked fire crews for their courage. He also has criticized California. California officials blaming the wildfires on poor forest management. Greg Clugston, the White House. On Wall Street today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up by 209 points to 25,289. The Nasdaq rose 123, the S&P 500 up by 29. Oil climbed 21 cents to $56.46 a barrel. This is SRN News. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford for term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-2013. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-2013. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-2013. 800-444-2013. Why a classical Christian education? Because kids learn differently at different ages. Through grammar, we grasp the building blocks of knowledge. Logic teaches how those building blocks relate. Then rhetoric helps us communicate what we know. For over 50 years, Trinity Christian School has intentionally applied this classical approach to education with great success. It's just one reason why they're consistently ranked among the top K-12 schools in Allegheny County. Trinity Christian School, 412-242-8886. It's long, over a thousand chapters, over 30,000 verses. No wonder so many of us have never read it cover to cover. Want to do it? Want to read the entire Bible? Start today at BibleStudyTools.com. BibleStudyTools.com includes Bible in a Year, an interactive plan for reading, learning, and understanding the Bible. Deep in your faith and impact your walk with God one day at a time. Bible in a Year, just one of the new interactive Bible study tools at BibleStudyTools.com. 
You don't know when your furnace will call it quits, but you can rest assured it'll be at the most inconvenient time possible. And who has all day to wait around for a tech to arrive? With Ventec, there is no waiting around, including evenings and weekends. Ventec will repair and replace forced air, central AC, and even offers split mini-duct units to heat and cool individual rooms. With flat rate pricing instead of hourly fees, clean, courteous, convenient, and A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Ventec, 412-793-0661. Hi, this is Tunch Ilkin. I'd be happy of Light of Life Rescue Mission. Thanksgiving has great meeting for the entire team at the mission, and it reaches far beyond a few football games and eating too much turkey. We're thankful for you, the caring Pittsburgh community, and the generous ways you continue to reach out and help us touch the lives of those in need. Today I'm asking you to join our team to help us share the priceless gift of hope by visiting lightoflife.org and donating generously today. Rain and some freezing rain will be changing over to snow and accumulating an inch or two before ending later on tonight. The low 30 degrees. Tomorrow, a brisk and cold day with clouds, high 37. There can be some snow showers in the laurels tomorrow. Tomorrow night and into Saturday, mostly cloudy skies. Low tomorrow night, 30. Saturday's high, 38 degrees. I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. We were just talking in the 4 o'clock hour about fondue. Did and, you? and cheese. And cheese. Well, th- th- they are one and the same. Fondue and cheese are... Well, you can have fondue with chocolate. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you don't want to forget about that kind. Right. Okay, so do you have a uh, fondue set at home? No. Because, you know, they were big in the 60s. In like, right. 1968, everyone had to have some fondue. Mm-hmm. And we're going over to my sister's house, the first one to leave the house, and she invited all of us over to her house. We sat around those little skewers. Yeah, those little silly forks. I thought that, I I thought, this is what adu- this is what adulthood is. Eating fondue. It is. <laughs> Having a fork in your hand, dipping it into a pot of hot cheese over an open flame. I thought, I'm an adult. I'm big. I was probably 12, maybe nine. But I thought this was it. Yeah. Okay. So remember the uh, the rubber ducky that made its uh, appearance here in the city of Pittsburgh? I loved the rubber ducky. Yeah. Well, I loved it. So apparently the Melting Pot, which is the fondue restaurant over in Station Square, right. has uh, worked together with 412 Food Rescue on launching a 30-foot inflatable Swiss cheese wedge. What? That will travel on Pittsburgh's three rivers to create awareness about and provide support for the hungry in the region. The inflatable cheese has been docking today and tomorrow at Point State Park. The cheese is at the point is at the point right now? Yep. There's cheese there? Well the, the big cheese? The thirty foot. The thirty foot cheese, cheese is at the is at the point? Yep. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Supposed to be there yesterday, but there was a, a this is something new. A barge traffic jam. Oh no. I mean but it's made its way there. So apparently they say, you know, they want to, Chris uh, Millsap is the operating partner of the Melting Pot. He says, we want to build awareness about our grand reopening since uh, the um, uh, Station Square has gone Wait, through a renovation. Okay. okay, so let me get this straight. So we've got inflatable cheese mm-hmm. and it is celebrating the grand reopening of a cheese restaurant 
And it's raising awareness for hungry people in Pittsburgh. So we're doing all that at the same time? That's about it. It's all it takes is a big old inflatable to do all those things. All right. Because who doesn't like a giant piece of Swiss cheese floating down the river? I think this is why I like the duck. Why? Because it was just the duck. Yeah. It wasn't to promote anything. It wasn't to raise awareness of anything. No. It was, it just, was just to be – it was a duck. It was just fun and ridiculous. And really And everybody pretty. you know had their photo taken yeah. with a duck. I love the so, I mean, I'm not I, okay. poo-pooing on the wedge of cheese. You, I, I kind of am. No, 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 no. Why would you not? Why would you do that? Because can't, I, I just wish that everything didn't have to have an agenda with it. That's eh, okay. We have an agenda. We right do have an agenda. Right yeah. Well, speaking of cheese, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful day in America. Why? It's National Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day. Oh, oh. Speaking of some moldy cheese, have you ever done that? You go back in your fridge and you find a piece of Have cheese. Have I ever done that? Oh, my god! I mean, gosh. that happens to me on a regular basis. What? Did you find things that are in there? Oh, I'm like, you know, I'm like the um, I'm like the hall pass monitor guy at the fridge. I'm always in there like rooting around. Oh, my gosh. you! It is a good thing that you don't live in my house. Oh. Because I'm just, I'm not good at that. It gets lax in there. It does get lax No, you got to clean that baby out on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, today's your day. Yeah, I feel good about it. Okay, great. Are you going to? Well, here's the deal. Our refrigerator failed last week. We've only had this refrigerator for a couple of years. And for the first time in our lives, because we had been burnt multiple times by by bad appliances, we bought the extended warranty. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that being on Dave Ramsey, don't buy the extended. We did. But so for like maybe five or six days, that thing sat there at less than chill temperatures. Then the guy showed up. He said, oh, yeah, it's the board. I'll be back in another five days. So the whole meantime, that food was sitting in there, sort of at you know funky temperature. By the time I went in there and did my cleaning, that cheese was molten and of course you got to throw you have to throw all that out. I I did. Oh good. Yeah, believe me, I'm not going to eat. I wanted to make sure you weren't like keeping the you know ranch dressing to use later. My wife was like. Well, that might not be so bad. Might be okay. She what actually, if, I, I, she it did might it. not be so bad. She took a chance. She gambled. That's not right. Twice she did. And that she was isn't. like, I'm going to eat this. This is, is going to be okay. And I was like, okay, I expect a phone call from you saying I'm projectiling. But you she know did what? not. I, I feel badly that I didn't know the extent of this because I would have told you, you know, you can get reimbursed for that what? from your By warranty who? company. That's part of your warranty. Oh, maybe it's not too late. It just happened last week. Okay. You might you look into that because, oh, because I, I was reimbursed for really? mine. Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. Yeah. You, you have you have to be able to demonstrate the you know exactly what you had in there. The food waste and you know estimate the cost of it. Okay. But yeah. All right. Mike, are you going to clean out your refrigerator today? Absolutely not. Oh, sorry. Okay. Do, are you the one that cleans out your refrigerator? Yes, I have to because my wife. Sorry, honey. She never checks expiration dates. Mm. And uh, Mrs. New Mike is not tops no. with the expiration. Oh. Dates. I'm sort of like John. I'm like the. The hall pass guy when it comes to the refrigerator. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But wait, Mike just threw his wife under the bus. I did. Yeah, but I she's did. a singer and dancer and really pretty, so, so she either. still wins. Yeah. She still wins. Fun fact, do you know how to keep your refrigerator smelling fresh while it's unplugged? While, oh, while it's unplugged. While, while, it's, uh, while it's unplugged. If you ever have to, to move. unplug it to move. Or, oh, I I, no, I don't. Keep the door open. Yeah. Well, you know, if you still have stuff in there that you want to keep fresh. As long as it can stay fresh. You dampen cotton balls with vanilla extract and you throw them in there. <laughs> or you leave fresh coffee grounds, oh. like a, get, get like a bowl of fresh coffee grounds and you leave it on the bottom of your fridge. Yeah. I think I'm okay, wait gonna... a minute. But is this like Ask Heloise? It like is. what's happening? <laughs> Who are little, you? Little tips. It's just I'm little like... tips. So I, I, yeah. 
My dad taught me that. Did he? What, your dad taught you about the vanilla extract and the cotton balls? Yeah. Jeez, Mike, that's I mean, I awesome. Thought you, I thought your dad taught you about hunting and things like that. I He's mean, teaching he did. you about cotton balls. You know. Didn't he teach you about wearing a turtleneck? He should. Absolutely not. No, wait a second. Hold on. Before we finish this conversation, oh, I want to go back to the fondue thing because... The cheese thing. Here's a go- if you go and post a photo of the cheese wedge, yeah, and then you post it to the Melting Pot Facebook page, you could win a free uh, free year of uh, food. A free year of what? food? Yeah, uh, snap a photo Let's of do yourself. This. We're totally doing that. Then you could win a full year of fondue at the Melting Pot. A full year. Can you imagine your cholesterol level after that year? <laughs> You'd be like all I don't think that's, that's probably not good for anybody. We should not enter that contest. I'm doing it. We should not. I'm doing it. We should not. I don't think you'll be able to fit in any turtlenecks if you have that much fondue. Let's get a bigger turtleneck. Hey, it's John Hall. Eat that fondue and get a bigger turtleneck. Uh, details at 5. Oh, 5:15. my gosh. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about marriage. Complementarian marriage means that men have specific roles and women have specific roles. Mm-hmm. Dr. Like the refrigerator. Rebe- Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin says that she has been a reluctant convert. Uh-oh. She's wiggling. 101.5 WORD. Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New New music. New music from Crowder. Red Letters. Apollo LTD and Gold. You make me shine like gold. Never Alone by Tori Kelly. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Sponsored by Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend. Are you in high school and thinking about your future or know someone who is? Consider nearby Geneva College. Geneva is a Christian college that prepares students for meaningful service and for their life's work. Geneva College believes that God's Word in its entirety is the starting point of all wisdom and knowledge, and their faculty are Christian scholars who are masters in their fields. Geneva has over 80 majors and programs in fields like accounting, nursing, cybersecurity, criminal justice, aviation, engineering, Christian ministry, and more, offering 18 varsity sports, 100 study abroad programs, and lots of club activities. U.S. News and World Report consistently ranks Geneva a top three best value university in the Northeast. But don't take anyone's word about the quality of a Geneva education. Find out for yourself at a visit day where you can take a tour, sit in on a class, and meet faculty. You can register now for any of Geneva's visit days, including their open house November 17th, or even schedule a personal visit. Register at geneva.edu slash visit. That's geneva.edu slash visit. With the holidays just around the corner, it's time for a sale here at Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tun Shilkin. On behalf of my friends at Calusi Chevrolet, this month, lease an Equinox LS for just $185 a month with $19.99 due at signing plus taxes and fees. This is a low-mileage lease example, must qualify. You can buy with confidence at Calusi Chevrolet. They've been serving Pittsburgh since 1918. Plus, they're easy to find online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet. Find new road. The day after Thanksgiving, feed your soul. Join Amen to Action as we come together to sing, pray, celebrate, and pack one million meals of hope for the hungry. It's Friday, November 23rd at the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Doors open at 8 a.m. and all faiths and ages are welcome. Come fill your heart with joy and one million plates of food right here in Pittsburgh. To register, go to amentoaction.org. It's been a full day. The to-do list is done, the kids are in bed, the dishes can wait. Right now, this moment is just for you. It's your chance to unwind. 
It's your end of day ah. At the Original Mattress Factory, we're proud supporters of the end of day ah, and we want to see how you relax at the end of your busiest days. Share your posts on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the hashtag end of day ah for the chance to win a thousand dollar Original Mattress Factory gift certificate. Relax, you've earned it. This Christmas, the tradition continues with Bill Gaither and the Gaither Christmas Homecoming Tour with special guests, the Neelands, Charlotte Ritchie, Kevin Williams, and Mark Lowry. 6 p.m. Saturday night, December 1st at the First Summit Arena in Johnstown. Tickets available now at 800-745-3000, the First Summit Arena box office, or at Gaither.com. Produced by Fill the Gap Concerts. is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Marriage. <laughs> yes. Rebecca McLaughlin is back with us again. Rebecca is the author of Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. She also writes regularly at the Gospel Coalition at Pathios as well. She wrote a piece called Confessions of a Reluctant Complementarian. Rebecca, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing well, thank you. Thank you. I love that intro piece from it's The Princess Bride. Yes, it? yes. It's the greatest, <laughs> absolute is. greatest. Um, but, of course, that would have been a terrible marriage had it happened. But it didn't, so we're all good. Uh, so marriages are good and bad, um, whether they're based on a complementarian model or an egalitarian model. And I'm sure a lot of people listening don't even know the difference. So why don't we start there? Sure. So there's a, a strange thing that sometimes technically referred to as a complementarian view of marriage. And all that means is that uh, we look at what the, the Bible says, um, and maybe starting with Ephesians 5, verse 22, about marriage, and we try to apply it. So this is what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Now, I don't know about you or any of your listeners, but I think when we first hear those words, our 21st century ears pretty much explode. It just, it sounds completely not only outdated, but but also just like wrong in, in so many ways. Um, we feel like it's suggesting that women are um, less important than men or that, you know, it's somehow demeaning to women. Um and that was certainly how I read it when I first encountered those verses. Um, but I think as, as I started to look at them more and more in context, I started to understand there was actually a much bigger picture here and that fundamentally this shows that our marriages are about Christ and the church and not primarily about us. Hmm. All right. So if um, we're taking the biblical mandate seriously, um, we mm-hmm. have to recognize that there is a charge to men their husbands, there are charge, there's a charge to wives, but also before either one of those, there's a charge to both of them and to the whole church, which is submit, therefore, to one another. Yeah, that is certainly true. And when I first read the verse in, in Ephesians that I just quoted, uh, I really, really, really wanted to wriggle out of them. Let's uh, be totally honest about that. Um, I was an undergrad at the time. I was studying at Cambridge. I sort of uh, you know, was hanging out with all sorts of folks would, who would be appalled by you know, that, that language in any context. 
and the word that's translated as submit appears in, in the previous verse and um you know folks say it governs this whole section which is is not untrue um the slightly complicated thing though if you're trying to um you know reframe things through that lens is that actually the command to wives to submit is given in two other passages as well in colossians 3:18 and then first peter 3 verse 1 so it's not only in, in the ephesians passage but what people forget is that the the command to husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her is um, the kind of complementary command in Ephesians. And that command to love comes not once, not twice, not three times, but four times in Paul's epistles. Um, so we can only see the first command to wives in the context of the, the command to husbands to love uh, in that extraordinarily sacrificial way that Christ loved the church. So it seems like the big problem in our culture is that the idea of women submitting seems archaic. It seems like a relic of an older time. Um, we look at the hashtag Me Too movement and we see that men have been have treated women awfully, not just in our current culture, but since the beginning of time. Um, yeah. And so those are all things that are realities for us. Um, however, there's very little conversation about husbands love your wives. So let's talk about that first. Yeah, so this is one of the, the reactions that people have to this language is, as you say, that it seems to be, you know, possibly even a mandate for abuse. You can imagine a husband sort of standing over his battered wife and saying, well, the Bible says you have to submit to me. Right. I think that is so far from applying this text that, you know, it couldn't, couldn't be further from the truth that, that Paul is, is writing about, because if you look at the language used to describe the husband's role, his role is the one that is to sacrifice as Christ, um, sacrifice for the church. So if, if you imagine a husband following through on that, that means that he should be willing to die for his wife. Um, it means, you know, if we think of Jesus on the cross, he's, he's there, um, humiliated and, and bruised and beaten and suffering out of love for his wife. So anyone who has ever tried to use these verses to justify spousal abuse or disrespect of their, of their wives, is um, literally couldn't be further from, from what Paul is saying. Mm -hmm. um, and the one other command that husbands are specifically given toward their wives um, in the New Testament is for them to honor them in First Peter 3, verse 7. So we sometimes summarize what you might call the complementarian view of marriage. People often say it's like wives submit, husbands lead. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's not what the scriptures say. They say wives submit, husbands love, 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 and honor. Mm -hmm. And if you're, I've always thought about it this way, if you're looking at which one's harder, <laughs> I mean, the the command to, to men is that they're willing to die for their wife. I mean, that's really the bottom line, right? Yeah, and I think, I mean, you referenced earlier that since time immemorial, there's been a, a pattern of men often not treating women with, with respect and certainly... Um, you know, abusing them and, and uh, denigrating them in, in various ways, and, and that is that's tragically true. I think, though, these verses don't at all give us a mandate for what you might see as traditional gender roles, even where often that's amounted to women um, sort of bending themselves around their husband, um, you know, always prioritizing his career, prioritizing his needs, you know, she's there to sort of serve his needs. I think the biblical paradigm actually kind of flips that around. Uh, and says that, yes, the husband is is taking the lead, but his, his lead is one that actually puts his wife's needs first. Mm. Um, and for some for some families, that'll mean 
prioritizing the wife's career um, versus the husband's. I don't think it means, you know, wives have should earn less than their husbands, as you know, sometimes people sometimes people sort of extrapolate all these all these things um, that the Bible doesn't say from what the Bible does say. Um, and I think it's far more fruitful for us to actually focus on applying what what the scriptures do tell us, rather than sort of bringing our various cultural ideas um, to to pile onto that. Right. So. At first read, Rebecca, depending upon, you know, where you are in your walk, if you're a new Christian and you hear this, it feels for a lot of women to be a slap in the face. But as you mature in your faith and study and read into it, it doesn't feel like that at all now, does it? Yeah, and I think one of the implications of this, um, to my mind, is that particularly as women, we need to be extremely careful who we marry. (laughs) at the end of the day if I'm going to marry somebody and say you know what I'm going to do my best within the the drama of this marriage and I I use that word not to mean that marriage has internal drama but to say you know if if part of the purpose of my marriage is to display to the world what it means for Christ to love the church and for the church to submit to him I need to be pretty darn sure I'm I'm marrying somebody who you know I I feel like I can submit to say that they're going to Lead, lead me well. That's a great point. So choose um, wisely. Yep. Choose wisely, and so much better. I feel like I'm always telling my my single friends this. It's so easy when you're single to crack up marriage to be this constant state of nirvana that you know really the the best thing in life possible you could ever possibly have is to be married. And those of us who are married know you know marriage is great and all, but it's not the be all end all. That's Jesus. And so I, I would counsel someone who is considering marriage or, or longing for marriage that it's far better. Um, to be single than to marry someone who you don't feel like you mm-hmm. could, um, you know, trust their their leadership and trust them to love you as Christ loved the church and, and the best way they can. For sure, uh, Rebecca, your own personal experience. Um, I know it's important that we always go to the scriptures first. Um, we don't mm-hmm. do our experiences first, but at the same time, um, life is a great teacher. And so you, you know, I think our, our understanding of the scriptures increases the wiser we become and we become wise through our life experiences. So I guess I want to ask you about your own experience in marriage and how you have seen these things work or not work. Yeah, so funny thing is, uh, my husband and I joke that I'm a very good theoretical complementarian. I'm probably less good at the practicalities. <laughs> I'm, definitely, I'm not somebody who is naturally submissive in general. Like, it's something that I have to actively work at. Um, thank God I've married to a really great guy who not only can deal with a sort of um, rather difficult wife in various ways, um, but also. Uh, you know, somebody who is genuinely trying to kind of work at, at his end of this. And what I find, honestly, is m- much as I fail pretty much daily on, on on this front, I find that when I do actually trust the Lord enough to trust my husband, um, it, it almost always brings me blessing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll bring a, a question um, to Brian, uh, and the way that I started to think about it is, you know, we, we're always looking for guidance from the Lord, which is wonderful, but to some extent, as a Christian wife married to a Christian husband, you have a little, you know, a little kind of extra insight into the into the Lord's um, guidance for your your next step or for the decision you're trying to make. Because you can ask your husband, and as the scriptures have said that, um, you know, you're to submit to him as 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 to Christ, as Christ submits, um, as the church submits to Christ. I can hear from my husband, and within the parameters of of the scriptures, trust that actually. That's somewhat like hearing from the Lord. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I, yeah, uh, yeah, well, absolutely. Not, that makes not sense. Over, yeah, absolutely, over it does. 
and, and I found um, even at times when I've been frankly resentful of uh, you know having to submit to my husband or choosing to that on the other side of that I then realized that that actually he was he was genuinely right and it really it was wisdom that he brought to me um, and I'm not saying that will happen in every case with every possible husband um, but I have certainly found that to be a blessing and, and I try to look for those opportunities rather than to hope that they won't come up. Um, I had a conversation with a, a recently married friend a couple of years ago and she said, well, I just hope that we, the situation never arises, that I would have to submit to my husband. And I thought, well, if God's commands are given to us for our good, that's actually the opposite of what we should be hoping. We should be actively looking for mm-hmm. those opportunities to um, to submit or to love our wives as, as Christ loved the church. Yes. I need to um, lean on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lean into it, exactly, rather than kind of skirt around it and hope that it never comes up. Right. So what about the difficulties, Rebecca, um, of bad marriages? I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but just people who, you know, I I can think of, you know, five people off the top of my head um, I know who are in relationships where that idea of submission has been... A turning Tramp- point? It's been a, no, it's been trampled on by the man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So abuse or not abuse even. I don't want no, none of these instances are instances of physical abuse, but they are instances of um strength and power. M- no, manipulation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Sorry, go on, John. No, but I, and, and at the same time, it, I'm sure you and your husband, Rebecca, talked about Ephesians 5.22 as well, uh, along the path of your own marriage, especially in your resistance to that. Yeah, and I think it, it, to, to touch on what Kathy's bringing up there, it is absolutely the case that many women are in, are in extremely hard marriages and sometimes um, you know, hard to the extent that actually, as as the broader church, we should be stepping in um, and and helping them. Um, in particular, I think we should be cultivating culture within church where men are actively challenged to love their wives sacrificially, and where it's something that you know any man who's part of any kind of Christian community, um, you know, Bible study, community group, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that rather than assuming that everyone's marriage is okay. We should be, um, you know, actively helping each other, and I think for men that means having accountability, having people challenge them. Um, you know, are they actually living like this with their wives? That's good. Yes. Versus just sort of letting things happen, because the tragic reality is, um, you know, whereas actually church, men who go to church are substantially less likely to abuse their wives, just statistically, which mm-hmm. is great news. Yeah. Um, the reality is that in every church there will be those marriages that are either, you know criminally abusive or at least um you know functioning in ways that do not honor the lord um and that the husband is is completely um compromising the gospel and his treatment of his wife yeah Um, and i think as a guy it it would be hard to not be connected to other men and i think a lot of guys who do go to church are intentional about that and not look at this and go i must surrender to my wife and i must honor my wife and there has to be that accountability otherwise you're just wasting your time yeah. I once heard Tim Keller tell a really great story, well, sad story, but he said when he was a, a young preacher before he moved to New York City, um, one day a, a woman came to his church um, who he hadn't seen there before, but he knew her. She was friends with his wife. She went to the other church in town, 
And he's like, I knew the pastor there was a much better preacher, so why was she coming to my church? And the reason was that the way that the pastor of that church treated his wife was so bad that this woman had decided that she just didn't want to sit under his preaching anymore. Mm. Um, and Tim Keller said, like, for him, that was a real call to arms to say, I must prioritize my marriage. Like, the, it is a disgrace to my gospel ministry mm-hmm. if I am not prioritizing my wife That's and right. loving her as best I can. Amen. Um, so I think we just need to, as of any area of discipleship, we all need to lean into that more. Um, and likewise, I challenge my Christian girlfriends, um, particularly the ones who, like me, are you know, a little bit on the um, sort of angry um, angry feminist complementarian side of things, as it were. I challenged them, hey, have you submitted to your husband in the last week? Like, give me an example. When have you, <laughs> have you actually done this? Um, so trying to keep each other accountable as well. Well, Rebecca, it's always good when you join us. It sure is. Always an interesting conversation. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. How's your new baby? Uh, he's great. Yeah, he's three months, and you know he's hard work as babies are, but uh, he seems to be surviving the experience of mothering. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to look at it. Very nice. That's Dr. Rebecca McLaughlin. Uh, she holds a PhD from Cambridge University and a theology degree from Oak Hill Seminary in London, and she's a regular writer for the Gospel Coalition. Here we'll take a break. Come back. Uh, we're going to talk about Ben Shapiro. Who is that? You might ask, and anti-Semitism on the campus of the University of Pittsburgh. Hey, I'm Brant. So there's this guy named Jordan. He's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. And he goes to the doctor, true story, he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched earlier from medical insurance to MediShare, where Christians share each other's medical bills. So the question for Jordan and his wife, Jenny, was, is this actually going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. So if you want to find out more, here is a number for you. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But Word FM and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. All right, so next week is Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. and then with that, of course, uh, already here in our studio, new Mike's already doing his new Christmas thing. He's just confused. So here we go, right? Um, Listen, everybody knows that the early bird gets the best. So if you're going to go out and shop, this Saturday would be a good time to do it because it's Shop Small Saturday. Here to talk to us about that is Mark Helgerman from the beautiful Trinity Jewelers. Mark, welcome back. How are you? Well, thank you very much. I'm doing great. How are both of you doing? We can We're doing fine. I love this idea of shopping small. Um, it's one of the things that I try to do on a weekly basis with, in different places when it comes to food. But how does it work in jewelry? Well, working in jewelry, you know, what we are is a small manufacturer of jewelry as well as, you know, as people know us as being retail. So 
what people don't know is down in the basement of Trinity Jewelers is a full manufacturing setup, and that's where we actually create the jewelry that people see, whereas most jewelry stores just buy jewelry and sell it from showcases. We actually are a jeweler. So by shopping small, you're actually getting handcrafted, personalized jewelry exactly the way you want it to be. Wait now, Mark. So you're saying this, that if a a guy can imagine something and then – Go into Trinity Jewelers and sort of, you know, on a napkin or whatever and go, this is what I'm thinking about. Can you help me? You can actually create that? We do that every day, believe it or not. I mean, it's, it's so much fun and it's so much fun to see the, you know, that guy or girl and see their creation come to life and the excitement in their eyes. I love that so much. Mm-hmm. And so what's it like for you? I mean, to you to walk down into the basement and know that you have these artisans, these craftspeople who are creating these gorgeous works of art, which include, I'm sure, diamonds and rubies and gold and silk, all these different things. What an experience that must be to witness that act of creation. Oh, it, it's the best because actually that's how I started. I, you know, I also did that type of work for years before bringing it to the public and, you know, our word of loyal word FM, you know, family and everything. So, you know, I understand it just as well as, you know, the folks down there mm-hmm. in the basement. And, you know, that's why we love to tell people and help them really understand it whenever we're selling to them. All right. Well, that's the good news from Trinity Jewelers. Listen, if you want personalized service, I mean, one of a kind. yeah, a gift that is absolutely unique, you're not going to find it at one of the big box jewelry stores in the mall. But if you find Trinity Jewelers on Montanebo Road, they're going to come up with anything you're interested in for the person you love at Christmas. Very nice. With the holidays just around the corner, it's time for a sale here at Calusi Chevrolet. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin. On behalf of my friends at Calusi Chevrolet, this month, current GM lessees can save over $12,300 on select 2018 Silverado All-Star pickups in stock when financed through GM Financial. You can buy with confidence at Calusi Chevrolet. They've been serving Pittsburgh since 1918. Plus, they're easy to find online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. rain and some freezing rain will be changing over to snow and accumulating an inch or two before ending later on tonight the low 30 degrees tomorrow a brisk and cold day with clouds high 37 there can be some snow showers in the laurels tomorrow tomorrow night and into saturday mostly cloudy skies low tomorrow night 30 saturday's high 38 degrees i'm Aki weather meteorologist danielle niddle on 101.5 word fm are still, weeks after the attack at the Tree of Life Synagogue, still reeling here in western Pennsylvania of the horror of what happened. And then you double that with what happened last week in California, another mass murder. And you wonder sometimes, have we just lost our minds as a society? We are so upside down where the norm is, and especially for our children, the norm for them is mass murder. Well, there's been a response by the local church to do something to protect themselves. John Sikoyan is with us. John is um, he's a security expert and is part of the fourth annual Word FM Safety and Security Conference coming up November 29th, Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. And John, unfortunately, we welcome you back, but we are always happy to see you. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing fine. Thank you. John, without going into details about what happened at the Tree of Life um, or what happened in Thousand Oaks, California over the last couple of weeks, um, 
you know, we process the news of Tree of Life as civilians and, you know, we're shocked and unbelievably saddened by it. Um, Tactically, though, I know you look at a situation like that differently. So can you talk about what these last two shootings have brought to mind for you? Exactly. It stresses the importance of reducing the risk by doing a risk threat vulnerability assessment, uh, whether it be a house of worship, a business, a corporation or school, uh, to be able to limit access and to control visitors coming into a facility. Uh, to be situationally aware of your environment, no matter where you are, at a house of worship uh, or a mall or uh, at a bank or a shopping establishment. I see. Joe John, command excellence and action response training, this is your business. Uh, unfortunately, I'm, but I'm sure business has been uh, sort of upticking as more and more of these tragedies take place. Uh, unfortunately, yes, John. So as people who... Kath and I, our audience, new Mike here, we sit in the pews on a Sunday morning, and I believe that's our most vulnerable time of the week, where the last thing we want to think about is protection because we're in worship. But there are things that can be done for churches, even basic things, to ensure that the people who come to worship are in some ways safe. Yes? Uh, Sure. I believe it's important to restrict access to our public uh, meetings and venues and houses of worship. Uh, your uh, internal security team, your ushers, your greeters uh, should be observant of the behaviors and know the overt observable behaviors of people that may come into a congregation with violent intentions uh, to be able to restrict their access to the facility and potentially be uh, removed from uh, from the mass of congregation to limit casualties. So those people are our first line of defense, you're saying? Exactly. They are. So, John, is that even possible? I mean, I, I know that there are many churches who resist the idea of having someone armed on the premises. I mean, I, I don't want to do that. I'm sure many places don't want to do it. But when we see what's happening, John, we feel like, you know, maybe this is the thing we have to do. Well, in our, our American culture, we have the freedom to choose if we want armed individuals into church or congregation. Uh, and there are liability risks associated with that because of the number of people in the facility. However, these these folks that are observant do not necessarily have to be armed, but at least armed with the knowledge of what the observable behaviors are of people with violent intentions uh, by physical demeanor, the clothing, uh, the potential threat of having a weapon or causing harm to people in the uh, facility. I see. You can register right now for the fourth annual Ward FM Safety Security Conference at wardfm.com. You see the main uh, the main page at the very top of the page. There'll be a banner about the Safety and Security Conference. So, John, um, what is that like for people who are uh, at worship? And you know, clearly, you're talking to a Christian audience here. People who are in church on a regular basis. Um, the first line of defense are those those people in the parking lot or the people who are the ushers at the church. Um, if they are not armed, is it just the ability to be super, what, secure and on the lookout for someone who may look not as part of the congregation, but at the same time, you also want to be warm and welcoming? Exactly. They are going to be warm and welcoming, but looking for unusual characteristics, uh, which we will review at the Safety and Security Conference uh, on November 29th. I see. Okay, so it's a matter of... 
it doesn't mean that we have to become cold individuals who don't want to welcome outsiders to our church, right? That's that's the that's the the point we're trying to to get to is that we want to be welcoming while at the same time be aware. Exactly. Okay. We're talking to John Sequoia, and John's a director for First, Ta- First Tactical and is an executive board member of the FBI National Academy Associates Western Pennsylvania chapter. He's a retired police officer of 40 years with 25 years of command level experience. He's the owner and founder of Command Excellence. We're talking about the upcoming fourth annual Word FM Safety and Security Conference. So, John, what's that like? You're, you're asking pastors, elders, anyone who's worried or concerned about safety and security, whether it's churches or schools, to join you. Uh, Exactly. We're uh, looking to do risk assessments to uh, help the pastors and uh, elders of church uh, groups to first assess their facility for safety and security reasons, to help them develop administrative guidelines and policies and procedures for their congregants and also ushers, greeters, security personnel uh, to make it a more difficult target, but welcoming uh, mm-hmm. to the outside world coming in uh, and also possibly to conduct a drill to be able to develop a mental map and a condition response of how people respond in a stressful environment. Uh, there are three responses. One is fight, one is flee, and the other is freeze. Unfortunately, because we're a spectator society, most people tend to freeze. And if they do, they'll become a victim to one of these events. I see. Well, John, we thank you for being with us and especially to hold this seminar. And we're so grateful for your work and to share that. We certainly need your expertise. Thanks for being with us here today. Thank you. John Sikoyan, he is the, the president, the founder of Command Excellence and Action Response Training. We would invite you to attend the fourth annual Word FM Safety and Security Conference, November 29th, Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. Information and to register right now, wordfm.com. I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our To Have and To Hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HenneyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Great experiences are meant to be shared. How about the experience of a great night's sleep? This is John Hall, and I've been sharing with you about my pillow for a long time. It's truly the most comfortable pillow I've ever owned. It's machine washable, dryable, never loses its shape, and it gives me the support I need no matter what position I'm in. And it comes with Mike Lindell's famous 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Once you experience my pillow, I'm sure that you'll love it too. And you're going to want to share that great experience with somebody else, which is great because right now you can get two my pillows for the price of one with Mike's buy one, get one free deal. Just call 1-800-961-9207. Mention the promo code word to start enjoying the best sleep of your life or type it in when you visit mypillow.com. So don't delay. That's 1-800-961-9207 or visit mypillow.com. Use the promo code word. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. 
It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. Is your car ready for winter? Get the jump on Jack Frost. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville has everything you need to protect against the elements inside and out. From spray-on bed liners to rust proofing, weather tech floor liners to extreme detailing. And now, through November 15th, get up to 50 bucks off remote starters during their preseason sale while supplies last. Extreme Car and Truck in Bridgeville. 40 years for the extreme in all of us at extremetruck.net. Change furnace filters. Check. Change smoke detector batteries. Check. Install CO2 detector. Check. Make sure the furnace is ready in good working condition. When you have Pellis Heating and Cooling Service your system, check. You're ready for anything. And be confident knowing a Pellis Tech is available 24 hours a day in case of emergencies. With after-hour calls, return within 30 minutes. Keep your family comfortable with a comfortable family company. Pellis, P-E-L-L-E-S, at PellisHVAC.com. We talked about this briefly on air yesterday, that Ben Shapiro, who is a writer, a commentator, a lawyer, he is, um, I would say, the new wave of young... Conservatives. Yes, millennial conservatives, 34 years old. He made an appearance, like he's been doing at many universities across the country, he made an appearance last night at the University of Pittsburgh. And of course, I don't know why, but seemingly every time he appears in public, there are these crazy far-left commentators, protesters, who try to shut free speech down. I got to be honest with you. I am as annoyed by, you know, verbal rock throwers as anybody. I can't stand conservatives or liberals who just want to go and just, you know, stir the pot. I just that is so old to me. And I just feel like it's absolutely unhelpful. But Ben Shapiro isn't one of those people. No. So I cannot figure out. I'm telling you, I think the reason that people protest him so much is he's really smart and he has an opinion that's different than a lot of people have on a college campus. I think that's the extent of it. If you don't know Ben Shapiro, highly recommend it. Do yourself a favor. And tonight, as you're sitting, watching the tube or whatever, go and discover Ben Shapiro. We've got a piece because he he showed up last night at the University of Pittsburgh. Right, Alumni Hall. And spoke, as you might imagine, as we love him so eloquently, mm-hmm. about the events that happened in Pittsburgh about three weeks ago. We've got this clip right now, Mike. And now, because I think it's important since we are in Pittsburgh, I want to talk a little bit about anti- anti-Semitism and the actual threat of anti-Semitism. Because I think that there's been a cynical attempt a cynical attempt by a lot of folks in the media who don't care about a lot of different types of anti-Semitism to hone in on one type of anti-Semitism at the expense of all the other types of anti-Semitism. Now, let me be clear. As I've said, white supremacist anti-Semitism is vile and disgusting. I'm going to talk a lot about it tonight. But if the only sort of anti-Semitism you are concerned about is the anti-Semitism that backs your own political narrative, you're not actually concerned about anti-Semitism. That was just the beginning of more than an hour and a half of first Ben Shapiro speaking and then opening up the floor to questions back and forth. The entirety of that conversation is on YouTube. So again, tonight, if you're so inclined, highly recommended. It's essential to mention that Ben Shapiro is Jewish and uh, he's an observant Jew. He wears his yarmulke at every appearance. But for some reason that I cannot figure, he has been called a Nazi because... (laughs) 
He because he's not a liberal, and I I just I can't figure out how we became so lax in our use of language and labels in America that you would look at a man wearing a yarmulke and end up calling him a Nazi. It's right. just nuts. So I appreciate um, the delineation he made, and of course we had access to the whole video, and our listeners have only heard this little clip. But he talks about anti-Semitism on the left. He talks about it on the right. Um, and he talks about it in uh, in general culture. And so I think they're all important for us to look at. But the point of what he was saying there is it's really easy for us to see anti-Semitism in the other camp, right? So if I'm a conservative, as I am, I'm going to look and I can see how anti-Semitism shows up. In fact, we had um, Joe Carter from the Gospel Coalition on with us talking about anti-Semitism early in the week. And one of the things he said that as socialism rises in any culture, historically, so does anti-Semitism. Okay. So for someone like me, I am a conservative. I can look at that and I can say, well, clearly there's a link between anti-Semitism and leftism. But guess what? There's anti-Semitism in my camp, too. And so he's saying if you really care about anti-Semitism, you have to be – caring about rooting it out in that camp and your camp at the same time, because if you're not, then you don't really care about Jews. After the events of three weeks ago, almost three weeks ago, I think it's good for all of us, first in our own lives, in our own hearts and minds, to look at the things that dog us. Where where are the hidden secrets of hatred in our own lives? Mm -hmm. And what is the root of those hidden secrets of hatred? How do we first come to those? Why do we believe them? What do they mean to us? And why do they, again, perpetrate our lives? And, you know, none of us are innocent. All of us are carrying threads of hatred that are dark and ugly and mean. And even if they've come to us from our parents or our grandparents or our neighbors or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that we're not held to account for them. No, you must take ownership of your own hatred. Right, We all walk this earth. We all are infected by the evil one. We talked about Satan earlier in the show. So name it, claim it, and then shine light on it and try to bring some understanding of where you are in your fallenness. Mm -hmm. And I say this for myself, first and foremost. Because, of course, it does start with our own way of of us looking at the world. So our own hatred. And if anything doesn't bring us back to a sense of wonder and peace and an adjustment into our own lives to think about those 11 people lying on the floor with their faces blown off and their limbs shattered and awash in blood not too far from us right now what will do that nothing will so if we can't go back to that again and again and again, we just can't gloss over this and go, mm-hmm. well, that was three weeks ago, and we're moving on. Let's go have an ice cream cone. And probably the roots of that are in the other camp. That's just wrong. It's an examination of ourselves, mm-hmm. and it's with our humility, our surrender to Christ on the cross to know that he died for that evil, to know that he died for that hatred. And he died as a Jewish man. We'll take a break. We're going to talk about uh, the Canadian and how they register the six-fold increase in United States citizens. You want to go there. Okay.
If you're drowning in IRS debt and can't afford to pay, then you need to take advantage of special IRS tax programs that are available and free yourself from IRS collection efforts once and for all. Due to the financial hardship consumers are facing throughout the country, the Internal Revenue Service has made it easier to settle delinquent tax problems. An open phone line has been established by Community Tax for consumers to call and see if they qualify. Take down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call the Community Tax Helpline at 800-500-5588. If you owe back taxes to the IRS and cannot afford to pay them back, or even if you have years of unfiled tax returns, there's no need to fear anymore. But you have to call the Community Tax Helpline today at 800-500-5588 for the help that you need. Don't take on the IRS alone. They can attack your wages, savings, pension, home, and even your Social Security check. Call 800-500-5588 for your free consultation and to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588. Veterans face treacherous situations filled with peril while serving our country. Many veterans come home physically injured, suffering with PTSD, have traumatic brain injuries, or other ailments. For over 45 years, Help Heal Veterans has provided therapeutic art kits to these critically injured veterans at no charge to them. Help us heal vets. To volunteer or learn more, visit HealVets.org. Help a veteran. Visit HealVets.org. The T.J. Martell Foundation, music's promise for a cure. To learn more, visit tjmartell.org. That's tjmartell.org. Data released from Canadian immigration officials shows a record-breaking number of Americans applied for asylum in Canada. Oh, my gosh. During 2017. I wonder... Was Barbara Streisand one of them? Are they weeping at the border and the gnashing of teeth? Listen, that number was up by more than six times since the year before. Wait, what is that? What is that? Do that look well, like? well, wait, do I tell you? It'll make sense in just a minute. There are two thousand five hundred and fifty U.S. citizens who applied for citizenship last year in Canada. Okay, but most of those seeking asylum were Americans who have non-citizen parents. I see. Okay. So the whole dreamer immigration thing. Right, right, that's right, who, right. That's, that's who they blowing are. Blowing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Right. So anyway, we know in October, Trump announced he wanted to end birthright citizenship, which grants citizenship to children born in the U.S. to non-citizen parents. Um, and so depending on what happens there and how it's voted on, if it's voted on, then maybe Canada could see another boost in American asylum seekers this year. And again, will Barbara be one of them? Well, I guess it all depends upon the... How well her album sells, right? I wonder. See, now that album will sell to her fans in America who hate the president. But I wonder, would it sell in Canada? I mean, it's really unlistenable from my perspective. <laughs> well, no, wait, to be fair, we've only heard a portion of one track. Because it was that awful. <laughs> I couldn't submit I mean, myself to the other it nine. It may be like the greatest thing, you know, since Gershwin. Listen, uh, she's got her own well. political opinion. I'm not saying she shouldn't be allowed to make the album. I fully support her right to make it. I knock it out. She has every right to her political opinion. I just thought it was not bearable. Mm. <laughs> but to other people, they go, holy Great. smokes. If you love Barbara and you love that. her perspective, then knock it out. Right. For me, uh, John, don't put it in my stocking. All right. Sorry. That's uh, not in your stocking stuff. Although I am getting you a DVD copy. Oh, there it is. You had to bring it up, Mike. You brought it up. He just played it. Yeah, but it wasn't stuck in my head like it's going to be now. Now it is, yeah. I can't stand it. (laughs) 
I wonder what, you know. I'm How about the video? The video's rich. I mean, you think the, the actual song is bad? You yeah. ought to check out the whole thing. I guess it'd be pretty easy to find out how well it's selling. It may be selling great. Why does everything have to be about the president? Uh, but there's not enough to, to, you know, to write songs about now. We he have makes to... himself as part of every conversation. Listen, you know if he, he wants to make himself that, that's fine. But you don't have to grant him that privilege in your own life. Well, for some people, it just drives them crazy up a wall. All you got to do is get on you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It finds its way into the stream of the conversation. Hey, thanks for being with us. Be careful out there. Uh, God willing, we'll see you same time tomorrow. Have a great night. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Word FM and Salem Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.